Okay, so we're going to talk about friendship and the apostolate. So I'm going to start out with one of my favorite stories in the Bible on friendship. It's in John chapter 1. So we'll start with some of them, and I'll try to uh, bring in something from the chosen that kind of is a part of this. So John 1:43 says, The next day he decided to go to Galilee, this is Jesus, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida in the town of uh, Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law and also the prophets, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. But Nathanael said, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Of course, most people know that obviously there was no prophecies about Nazareth, so that's why he's questioning that. So bringing in, I don't know if we can hear this this well. We'll try to... Maximize volume here. Uh, How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him. Look at me. When you were in your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. the rest of it because he has a little bit longer dialogue with uh, Nathaniel and Phil prior to that. But I just like that story to start out with because this is just, you kind of see in this early story this natural friendship in which Philip and Nathaniel are together and that brings his friend Nathaniel then to Jesus. Okay. Which in other gospels, just so you know, his name is Bartholomew, which is probably his last name, just so you know, in case you're wondering, who's Nathaniel in the other gospels? Um, so anyways, um, so friendship, you know, uh, Thomas Aquinas said, there's nothing on this earth more prized than true friendship. So what is friendship, right? Um, and we could start out with Aristotle. He talks about, um, uh, in the uh, uh, first book of uh, politics, this day, he says, man by nature is a social animal whose inclination is to live in the company of others. So this idea that we friendship is really about reciprocal love. Okay, that we're going to, you know, have this interaction with another human being, you know, and it's a person who one knows and loves well and is known and loved by the other for virtuous reasons. Okay, now in Nicomachean Ethics, he goes into three types of friendships. Okay, so there's one 
that's uh, called of utility, where we're kind of connected for some good or one another, you know, we're friends with one another because of some good. Maybe it's like a business transaction or something like that, you know, friends, you know, helping out each other and stuff like that. Um, and so that's one type of friendship. Another type of friendship is pleasure, and this is a broad sense of pleasure. So maybe your friends is, you know, you like this person because they're a great comedian. You're like, I love hanging around this person because they make me laugh and stuff, right? Okay. Um, and the problem with both of those two types of friendships is they dissolve easily, okay? And the, the thing is, is that as Proverbs 17, 17 reminds us, it says, a friend loves at all times, Okay. So in those other two examples of friendship, it's very easy for those friendships to kind of go away back and forth quickly when we're, you know, not so much caring about the friendship as much or there's it's not having much benefit anymore for me. We could quickly dissolve those. But perfect friendship reciprocates goodwill. So Aristotle calls this good people with similar virtual virtues reciprocating the good for one another. Okay? And so how do we first learn what friendship is? Well, obviously, we have the greatest model in Jesus Christ, right? You know, Jesus established friendships through personal dialogue. I mean, one of the best examples is obviously he meets the woman at the well. You know, he's just kind of going around doing his business, looking for some water, encounters this woman, right? And kind of hits it off from there, talking about her life and everything like that. Um, you know, and the thing about friendship, as he says in, you know, in, um, Luke 19:1. If we go there, uh, you know, this is a great, another great example of friendship too, Zacchaeus. So we'll go through this story. So he came to Jericho and he tended to pass through the town. Now, a man whose name Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was also a wealthy man. And he was seeking to see Jesus, but he could not see him because the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began grumbling. He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there, said to the, to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. So that's this point ultimately of this friendship, you know, that, and it just came from this natural occurrence of Jesus saying, hey, I'm just going to stay in your house. He didn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, you're a bad sinner, tax collector, and you're stealing all this people's money and stuff like that. He just kind of invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house, which my mother would never let me do. She's like, you can't invite yourself over to your friend's house, but Jesus can apparently. <laughs> so Jesus likes to invite himself over to other people's houses, okay? And in this naturalness of an invitation for dinner, you know, or Matthew was a perfect example too. He says, I'm, you know, come follow me. Matthew throws a dinner. He provides all his friends. You know, all these people are hanging on the edge of their seat wanting to learn from Jesus, okay? Um, and so we have a real-life uh, example in some of the more recent saints. I'm, uh, I'm sure some of you are f familiar with Carlo Acutis. Don't know him? Okay, he's one of the first millennium saints, okay? Uh, he died roughly, I think it was 2013, and he was only like 16 years old, okay? So this is a pretty impressive. This guy's already been made blessed, okay? Uh, and um, 
he grew up in an only he was the only child initially in his family parents were not really religious and he had a great love for jesus early on especially the eucharist and so he uh uh, convinced his parents to let him go to the uh, to receive first communion early, and he wanted to go to mass every day. And I mean, he was also a natural kid. He had a lot of friends. He played with people. He he even played video games. So there's a saint out there who played video games, <laughs> though he limited himself to one hour. Okay, so it wasn't like going crazy uh, with the video games. Um, but so he was very hi. Hi. I'm Tom. I'm Gabrielle. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. All right. Okay. We're just, uh, no problem. We're just talking about uh, Carlo Acutis, which I'm, I guess, teaching everyone about since no one's heard of this guy. <laughs> so, but he set up his own website, actually, for Eucharistic miracles. Um, and then he ended up getting uh, leukemia, uh, AML. And uh, he kind of, he got into a really sick situation. He wasn't responding to chemotherapy anymore, and he offered his sufferings at the end of his life. But one of the things that he would do, he had a, they had a work, household worker named Rajesh Moher, who is a, um, he was a, a Hindu. And Carlo would get him to come out with him to help bring food to the poor and Carlo would use his own money to buy sleeping bags to help the poor around his area in Italy and uh, R- uh, Rajesh was just so moved by you know this authentic just love and this gift that this young boy at like age 11 or 12 was doing you know to show towards others that really moved him to, you know so much and how much he was just open about his faith in a natural way it wasn't like pushing anything on Rajesh he just was open about his faith and that openness actually led to Rajesh himself becoming Catholic, actually, um, just through that. Um, so that's just the one example among many we could see from many saints about authentic friendships, bringing, helping bringing other peoples to encounter with Christ. Um, but obviously our best model is going to be, you know, Jesus. And as he said in John at, uh, 15 at the Last Supper, uh, he said, you know, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I've heard from my father. So in this key word of telling, you know, you know, what Jesus is the, the word of the father, right? Everything that is of the father spoken, you know, comes through Jesus. He, you know, is revealing to us what authentic friendship is. And that is friendship is with is a charity that withholds nothing you know in fact obviously jesus goes further later on when he says no greater love is this than to lay one, down one's life for one's friends right you know and so he kind of lays down the model of friendship is one that is uh by definition sacrificial okay not you know a charity of you know utility or you know pleasure but a charity of i'm gonna make sacrifices for the sake of you know the friend and another example of someone who had an amazing relationship with jesus who i'd love to bring up because i think we can learn a lot in our own lives from this person's relationship is saint peter right i mean he was kind of almost a zealot for christ (laughs) to a fault at times right you know um so for instance you know obviously peter's one of the first people he calls through his brother andrew um you know he uses peter's boat when he's first preaching you know 
Um, and when uh, Jesus is coming on the water, he's the only one willing to get out of the boat. The rest of the apostles are all scared, you know, and he's like, oh, call me out if it's really you. I'll take the first step, you know. Everyone else is a little bit too scared and timid, right? Peter's a little bit more bold. Um, you know, he's one of the three, obviously, in the inner circle with James, uh, with uh, John and Andrew, you know, being uh, closer, and they're taken up to the uh, um, to the mountaintop for the transfiguration. For instance, uh, we see in the Garden of Eden, uh, Jesus busts out, or Peter busts out his sword and is about to hack a guy off. You know, if anyone asked, yeah, the first pope tried to kill someone, he had bad aim, took off the ear instead, right? <laughs> Okay, right? Um, you know, so, um, and then after when he sees Jesus after denying him three times and he has that look and he just like weeps, okay? Um, you know, and the other thing that I find really amazing to think about too is just, you know, after, you know, on resurrection on Easter Sunday when, you know, the women are coming back and Mary Magdalene's telling, oh, I've seen the risen Lord. You know, in John's gospel, we get the, uh, you know, story of him running off to uh you know um to the tomb and you have to think about this the last time that peter saw jesus was that encounter where he denied him right and he doesn't know what he's going to see but why would a guy who's probably wrought with guilt and sorrow want to go see a dead body right if for not the fact that he had so much love for jesus that that helped him overcome and made him run off to find out what was going on right um, you know, and so that's just an example that deep down, even though Peter had his flaws, of course, he really loved Christ, you know, above most people. You know, I think most of us wouldn't want to if we were that depressed about abandoning our friend who was killed and murdered. None of us want to go find a dead body and be reminded about our failure. Right. Um, and then obviously we have that great example in John 21. You know, they're out fishing overnight, and then they catch nothing. And then you hear the guy on the shore, hey, why don't you throw something out, children? Okay. Well, the greatest catch again. Hey, it's a repeat of the miracle in Luke's gospel when Peter was first called. And John said, hey, it's the Lord, you know. And what does he do? He's 100 you know, yards from shore. He's in a perfectly good boat. But what does Peter do? He decides to jump out and swim, right? You know, so here he is, like, you know, swimming like crazy to go see Jesus. You know, like, I got to go see them again. And uh, then he uh, just pulls the whole thing of fish on shore himself, you know, when Jesus says, hey, it's time for breakfast. Okay, right, you know. Um, and does anyone know about the traditional last uh, experience that Peter had with Christ bef um, on this earth? Does anyone know? It's not in the gospel, by the way. Okay, so... Jesus, Peter was in Rome, um, and he was fleeing persecution because, you know, the, the Romans weren't liking, obviously, Christians going around preaching and stuff like that. So he's fleeing from Rome, and he's walking on the, the Aventine Hill, and as he's walking out, he encountered Jesus. And he, this famous uh, statement, because he's shocked when he sees Jesus, and in Latin, it, he says, Quo vadis domine, Lord, where are you going? And Christ responds, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified a second time. And that's when Peter decides to turn around and walk back. And then we know he gets captured and then he gets tortured and crucified. And he decides to be crucified upside down because he doesn't think he's worthy to be crucified in a similar manner to Christ. So that's why, we, you know, the up down, upside down uh, version of him being crucified. Um, and so... Um, 
you know, Peter is this great example of someone who really is close to Jesus, really loves. And obviously we can see that from that love. And then obviously with Pentecost Sunday, I mean, he's the leader out there leading the disciple, you know, the apostles at that point when they, you know, baptize 3,000 and, you know, talks to the people and says, hey, you know, you guys made a mistake and here's what we need to do to repent. Um, and so we have to have this, uh, you know, as Pope Francis would say, this friendship in the new age of evangelization, okay? And that's living, you know, this mutual reciprocal love that's first based on three things. First is prayer, okay? Because we need to be close to our Lord. We got to pray. Second is sacrifice, okay? So we got to make, you know, every time we make little sacrifices, we, we have to think about what we're doing it for. And the best thing is to do it for our family and friends, right? You know, oh, I got to do this work. I got to study for this test, you know, on Friday, right, Megan? I'm going to offer these two hours of studying for my friend so-and-so or whatever. You know, those types of things that we can incorporate into our prayer and our own offerings that, you know, that uh, in um, Peter talks about in one of his letters, you know, offering up your sacrifices for the sake of others. And then the, the third thing that we have to have is service, okay? Um, because to be an authentic friend means first you show love through your actions, okay? Um, you know, no one wants the, the friend who just simply comes up and is the used car salesperson who's like, hey, look what I got for you, right? And, uh, you know, why don't you buy this? And it's great. No one, no one is drawn closer to Christ by just people simply talking like some used car salesperson trying to, you know, give away a sales pitch, right? That doesn't work, you know? But when you're authentic, authentically living true love and showing service towards others and then living your faith in an open manner in front of others, people get drawn to that, you know? This is how, like, John Paul II drew people to Christ. This is how Mother Teresa drew people to Christ. They didn't just walk around and bang a gong and read from the Bible and say, hey, you know, repent ye sinners or you will be burned, you know? That didn't work, okay? They went around serving people and then they showed their love for Jesus and the joy that was reflected in that. And when people would ask him and talk about them, they say, yeah, you know, I'm joyful because of this. Or this is what gives me joy. Or this is how I get through stressful times. You know, I pray or something like that. Right? And those are the things with authentic friendship that bring people because they're like, now they're not encountering you anymore. They're actually encountering Jesus. Okay? Uh, and it's interesting. There was just kind of revealed about stuff about mother Teresa's life so as you know she was called to you know status the uh, you know uh, sisters of charity and she actually had an encounter with Jesus while she was prior to establishing that and he was telling her how she, he wanted nuns in India okay for a specific purpose and he told her specifically I can't go to the poor people you need to bring me to them and that's what I want you to establish you know this new religious order uh and so that's what we have to remember is that's what we have to be bringing in our um in our friendships is that presence of christ in us even if it's not blatant words being spoken it's still that service and action that we're giving towards other people 
um, you know, regardless of whatever they believe or think or anything like that, that we're giving that same love and we're not, you know, shying away and saying, ah, I don't want to hang out with that person, right? Okay, now, obviously not to a fault. Like, if there's a toxic person, you shouldn't be hanging out with. I'm not saying go hang out with them, right, okay? Some people you have to hold back from and pray at a distance, okay? All right, but, you know, logically, otherwise, we should be generally open to... Uh, you know, having a general thought of service to everyone we encounter and meet, you know, um, because it's only through a true love that flows from a relationship with Christ, though, that we can draw others to that, okay? Um, And so, you know, it it can come in simple ways. So I'll just use an example. Yesterday, I was uh, with one of my uh, patients um, who has like early diabetes and a lot of other things. And she was going through a rough time because um, financially she's not doing as well because she has less overtime. Her husband passed away and money that she's getting from disability from him uh, is gone. And she's basically taking care of her sister at her house. Uh, and so she's not having enough money to be able to pay her monthly mortgage. And it was like a difficult situation. And... You know, I uh, got to talking to her about different things and I was like, oh, you know, let's talk to social work, see how you to fill out some paperwork so you're not going to lose your house because that was one of her, obviously, her big concerns in the midst of all this, besides, like, the diabetes or other things like that. And I, I got into my four Fs, okay, which is my little uh, segue into talking about stuff with people. Uh, dealing with chronic stress uh, from, you know, especially in the midst of chronic disease, which I deal a lot with. And so the, the four F's I talk about are how we can kind of rediscover who we are through these things. So the four F's being family and friends, so relationships, fitness, so establishing some healthy control in your life through healthy eating and exercise. Third is fun, because we all have to have fun at some point in life, right? It can't be all just work, right? And then the fourth one's faith and spirituality. And I, you know, reminded her, you know, sometimes in the midst of disease, you know, you don't feel that great about yourself. You don't feel like you're accomplishing much because you're so limited by it, right? You know, she gets easily tired. She can barely get around and walk around uh, because of weight and her age and, you know, limitations from just diabetes in general. And... I said, you know, and I was mentioning, you know, like, oh, one of my favorite people, you know, Mother Teresa said, you know, we can't all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And she's like, oh, I love that person. I, she's, she's one of my favorite people of all time. And I just like randomly pulled her out, you know, just in the spur of the moment looking for a, a, a quirky little statement to say. And she's like opened up about this and she just was like so excited to hear me talking about something Mother Teresa said and kind of helping to put her life in perspective. You know, even though that she's limited in so many ways, that doesn't mean she can't do amazing things. Um, and then I handed her one of my Divine Mercy little prayer cards I have in my wallet that I carry around for some patients when I find that they might be open to it. And she's like, oh, I love this picture, right? And there's in one little moment with a patient that I meet a couple times a year right? Right. I spent time and, you know, just let an authentic relationship just open itself up to, you know, finding a way to say, hey, here's something else to think about during your difficult time. When you're searching for answers, 
or you know when you have so many questions in your life and you're searching for answers here's you know a possibility of the person who might give you the greatest answer right to all your questions right um and so that's just you know small little ways you know example just pulling out here and that um we can learn to kind of see the bigger horizon with our friends and the people we encounter each day right that we can make a, a difference in those people's lives so all right i'll let it open for discussion